Hello and welcome to They Behave For Me, a podcast brought to you by me, Adam Boxer. And me, Amy Forrester. We're going to be covering all things education, policy, curriculum, teaching and learning and much more. And we're going to be coming to you every Friday afternoon to take you into the weekend. You're going to have to wait a minute. I'm just blowing my nose. Hang on. <laughs> we're doing well Sorry. here. The leggy between us. It's not, not bad. Not, not good timing. Uh, <laughs> uh, they behave for me. Is powered by Carousel Learning, an innovative online learning platform that aims to boost your students' memory and help you strategically plan for retrieval practice over time. It does homework, it does classwork, it does detailed analytics and feedback, and it's guaranteed to reduce your workload. To be like the thousands of teachers already using Carousel and find out more, go to carousel-learning.com. That's carousel-learning.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to hit subscribe so that you can hear us every week. The best way to support us is by sharing the love. So if you have a friend or colleague who you think would enjoy They Behave For Me, please do feel free to let them know about us. So, Adam, I've noticed you've got a little cheeky blog series going on. Oh, a little cheeky blog series? Is that a cheeky little little blog series or a little... A little cheeky. So it's a cheeky little. So it's a bit cheeky. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm feeling very pedantic tonight. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, might, I might have had a bit too much alcohol with dinner, which I apologize. Oh, no. Are we, are we doing a drunk podcast? Well, no. Just, uh, you know, I'm just happy with life. Um, <laughs> we, we, Excellent. We, we, um, I haven't cooked. So, I don't know if listeners know, but I'm a bit of a meat guy. I love You do meat. like your meat, don't you? But we haven't actually cooked any meat in about four or five weeks. Um, so it's like a travesty in your house. Well, maybe four weeks is over pushing it. We did a bit over Christmas, but um, we, we've been trying to cut back. We basically only have meat on the weekends, and we've been blessed that we've been invited out for a Shabbat lunch. So that's Saturday lunch for like quite a while. So I've not really cooked much in, in a little bit. So um, me and my wife had a dry bongus steak for dinner. And um Jai Bongus. Yeah, it was I mean it was it was huge. Seven hundred gram steak between the a bit two. Like of a whole cow. Um no, no. That's that would be hmm. more than seven hundred grams. But it was it was, yeah, it was a pretty pretty hefty steak. Um Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I'm really jealous now because I thought I had something exciting for tea. I found salt and chili chicken strips in Sainsbury's on my way home. Oh, those sound nice. And I thought, oh, bang in. Brilliant tea. Because you don't, you don't cook at all, do you? Oh God, no, no, no. no it's like so, they can go in the oven. That's my, that's the extent of my cooking. So, do you um, always buy ready meals? Is that your thing? Always? Uh, pretty much. Just some, yeah, or a sandwich or whatever. It's so interesting because because none of these things are kosher. You can't get them. So I find it very like it's a different world. Like we, it you is. know, we base, we have to cook everything basically. Yeah, and I, I. I'd probably starve if I was you in that situation. I especially would for those chicken strips, which were absolutely minging. Oh, were they? Were they not good? They were bad. I'm quite a connoisseur of the old uh, oven-friendly chicken strip. I like that you use the word minging. I've not heard that in a little while. (laughs) They were proper minging. That's an LEG one, isn't it? Yeah. Or respect. (laughs) I've got no respect for these chicken strips. Oh! So, I've had a packet of ready-salted crisps 
and um, two cookies for my tea. Well, that is healthy. <laughs> We're doing well. No we wonder I keep getting COVID. Oh, that's also true. Are you feeling a bit better this week? I mean, I still can't really breathe. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not really that ill. Like, I've got a bit of a cough, a bit of a sore throat, a bit sniffly. Like, I can function. Um, but as soon as I have to go anywhere or speak or anything, I'm a bit like, I- I'm out of breath as if I've just went up the stairs, but I haven't moved. Well, well. Mm. All of that sounds terrible. Should we talk about me some more? Yeah, let's talk about you and your cheeky little blog. Uh, have you have you been reading them? I've I read the first one. Or was it no? Was it the second one? Well, they're handily numbered. <laughs> they are. I think it was number two. Okay, so this these are the my my most common action uh, blog yeah. series. And what I, what I liked, much mm. as it pains me to say it, <laughs> that I liked something you did. <laughs> this, this must really hurt. Yeah, I re- what I really liked is like how specific and targeted and the word that i can't think of right now they were great um good i'm glad codified. that's what i'm looking for what'd you say codified huh? it's like you've codified like certain ideas and principles and now you're like you've you've turned them into like really specific things for people to do and i was like we need more of that in this in this job huh. i i don't disagree so um for for the listeners who might not have seen um i have basically so i've been thinking about this quite a lot but basically my theory is that what we need right now is not you know when you and i were sort of coming of age as teachers what we needed was all of that evidence to like yep. um <laughs> take us back to the real world yeah but but it was it was trying to shake our foundations really we you know that evidence was needed to shift our perspective entirely um, but we're now at the point where like a lot of people sort of agree with the evidence base, but nobody yeah. knows, well, not nobody, but, but we don't really know how to like actually do it in the classroom. Um, you know, like, like retrieval, yes. I, I first started reading about retrieval practice in like what, 2014, 15, I guess. Yeah. And it took me, it took me about five years plus setting up an entire company to actually figure out how I wanted to do it in reality. Like that's where Carousel came from because it was about trying to say, right, I want to do retrieval practice. <laughs> how do I actually physically do this? And I tried spreadsheets and I tried the PowerPoints and I tried the book. I tried everything. Um, and, and it's like that took so long and it's such a catastrophic waste of time, you know, all of that trial and error and stuff. So I think yeah. what we really need now is, you know, there are still some people who need to be convinced that project-based learning is, is, is CAC. But by and large, what we need is people are like, oh, I like the idea of cognitive load theory. I like the idea of explicit instruction or traditional teaching or whatever. Um, but I'm not really sure how to do it because nobody's ever trained me how to do it. And I've never seen anyone do it. So so I guess what we need to like, so what I'm trying to do is these like little bite-sized nuggety type thingies. Yeah. And I think that's actually really helpful um, because it, I know in, in your school, you do like a lot of observing and you, you that's kind of part and parcel of working in your school um but in a lot of schools that isn't the case and you don't get to see people's practice very often you don't get to see the specific minutiae of what they do to achieve certain things in the classroom so sharing those really specific things I think is really helpful yeah I think that's true and and it's not even that you might not necessarily get the chance but you might not even know what to look for um or or you you know what i always what i found so until i got to the tartridge academy what i always found was that 
there were, I'm sure, loads of great teachers, but they taught in a completely different style to me. And it was like, I didn't, you know, I could go and I could observe and I could be like, well, that was great, but it's just not me and it's not what I want to do in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and and that can lead to like quite dramatic feelings of isolation. Yeah, and it's hard. You kind of sometimes, that style thing, I think, is actually quite a big part of how successful you like what you take from an observation can be because you I can watch somebody teach in a completely different way to me and think and and find it difficult to translate that to how it would work for me yeah it's hard yeah well that's a skill in and of itself um but you're right we do do a lot of observations um and we do that because we think they they help teachers get better and i'm glad you mentioned our school i didn't tell you to do this in advance by the way but i'm glad you mentioned our school because we're hiring yay oh, you're hiring so are we. yay so why, why don't you, do, you do your plug first and then i'll do mine <laughs> we need an english teacher we are a brilliant english department we have a wonderful director of english we're an absolute hoot to work with um and we need a brilliant english teacher so hit me up Stupendous. If you want more details, it's on test. You get, get visualisers. Yeah, visualisers. Visualisers um, tap. Yeah, you get a centralised curriculum. You work in a school that is centralises behaviour, detentions. It's a brilliant school. We've got brilliant kids. We get brilliant results. What more could you want? And does loads of project-based learning. No. <laughs> take that back. <gasps> I take it back. I take it back. Um, can I do my plug now? Go for it. We're looking for everything. <laughs> I, I really should have checked the jobs board before I did this. It only just popped into my head. Um, <laughs> I have come unprepared, but we are looking for lots of teachers. The school is growing, growing, growing. So if you would like to work at a school that, um, uh, I guess like the best way to sum it up is we are obsessed with teaching and learning. Um, we we make one simple commitment to all new teachers which is we will make you a better teacher so if you want to be better at the teaching um then definitely the totteridge academy is for you um whatever your position whatever your role whatever you want to do come along and join us and um make merry classroom pedagogical fun it's a good pitch you make <laughs> me think i'm not sure it is i think i lost it towards the end there a bit <laughs> Like merry pedagogical fun? I don't know. Do. Yeah. Where else are you going to find merry pedagogical fun? Well, indeed not. Um, should we do something substantial? This, this, this keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reliably informed, though, Adam, that people quite like our in inane banter for part, at least parts of it. No, I feel like the beginning. It's it's a good it's a good time to get it out of the way, so we can do serious stuff afterwards. Yeah, and it actually this week we got some really interesting feedback. Oh God! Um, <laughs> no, feedback is a gift, and you will yeah. receive it as such. Uh, yeah, but some gifts go to Oxfam. <laughs> this is. I think this is a this is a good gift. This isn't going to Oxfam. This Here is we go. like hit me. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so the feedback was number one. It's absolutely okay and valid for you to be a geek and to be a nerd and for us to spend time being geeks and nerds. All okay, right. I'll take that. Um, that. Number two... Is that, sorry, was, is that because I keep apologising for it? Yeah, because you keep saying, right. I'm really sorry, I'm being a geek. And actually, what what our listeners are telling us is that 
that's they really enjoy that bit because they too are geeks and nerds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So we'll take that. So stop apologizing for being a geek, being a nerd. I make um, no problem with this. No, you'll still do it. Um, But the second bit was around behavior, which I thought was really interesting because obviously we've called our podcast, um, They Behave For Me. The UK's Um, number one teacher-facing education (laughs) podcast. Obviously. Um, But we we haven't touched that much on behavior. So we put a little little question up on on threads, didn't we? Yes. We did. We thought, do you know what? We'll focus on, we'll do a little bit of that. So we're going to do a little bit of behavior this week. So thank you to the person that gave us that feedback. Um, So we asked for some questions just generally of things people would like us to talk about. Um, So I'm going to read you one of them that we got on threads, if that's okay, and get your thoughts. Um, So Mrs. McGee, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. gave us a scenario with some follow-up questions so the scenario was this there's a good teacher with high standards good relationships with students well established they let a student off with breaking a clear school rule once for example the teacher confiscates a student's phone for the first time ever and the teacher decides to give it back at the end of the lesson rather than handing it into reception as per policy Teacher has a one-to-one conversation with the student, and if it happens again, the phone will be given to reception. The follow-up questions to that were, is this fair enough, or should the teacher have followed policy strictly? Uh, you're, asking, you're asking me? I'm asking you first, yeah. I mean, uh, I think in this example, they should have followed the policy, right? Well, yeah, that was my thoughts. I was like, yeah, I think following the policy is really important because um, in a in a classroom situation, like, for example, today in one of my lessons, one of my students was upset that they'd had their phone confiscated for that exact purpose. Um, it was earlier on in the day and she was having a bit of a, a, a whinge to me, which is fine. I listened and then went, oh, it's still been confiscated, though. Um, <laughs> Did you get a violin? Oh. That's what I like. I, I sometimes do the like cry motion with my eye. You know, Leia, I'm t- like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. The kids that love one. it. They do, don't they? It guarantees they never come to me with problems again. Helpful. Um, <laughs> but it made me think in terms of this question, like imagine I'm that that's my lesson now and I'm that teacher and one of my year 11s then gets their phone out and I don't take it off them. Not only am I undermining the whole school rule but that student who has had their phone taken off them earlier in the day by somebody who is following the policy has every right to be unhappy about that and the only person that loses out in that situation is the teacher who didn't who took the phone off because that kid's going to go back and be like oh well it's only you who takes them off and didn't happen in my lesson blah 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 and one weakness can cause a whole barrel ton of problems on the back of it so it might just look like one little one-off situation um but in terms of the bigger all the wheels in the cog in a school working properly once one of your wheels falls out you're done for 
Yeah, yeah. And you also don't know, like, what, what if this happened for the teacher next door as well? And, you know, you don't know how many times this kid has had their phone out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and, it, and you know, kids are unpredictable and, and react in, in unexpected ways. So let's imagine that happens to the kid again. And a member of staff goes, all right, you need to give me your phone. And they're like, yeah and then you suddenly it can it could escalate quite quickly into a defiance situation and it's all those like the ramifications of those decisions are problematic for me on a on a whole school level and i do i genuinely believe that the foundations of any good school is that we all know we're all in it together so sometimes we have to do the difficult thing and apply the policy and have the difficult conversations because we're doing it to make all of our lives easier. Yep, completely. You need, here we go. I'm going to, this is going to be clever. Watch this. You ready? You ready? Go on. Okay. You need to hold the line. Yes. Hold yeah, the you, line. You know why that's clever? Why is that clever? It's foreshadowing. I just did a foreshadow. You did a foreshadow. Congratulations. Yeah. We'll come back to that. We are. We're going to, we'll leave it there mysteriously. <laughs> here's, here's and see the if teaser. we can. Hold the line, Hold the line, man. Hold. Hold. What but we to be do fair, here goes in eternity. <laughs> but that sometimes I have to do that in my own head. So there's times where I can be having very difficult conversations on the telephone with people. And in my head, that's what I have to keep saying to myself because they can be really difficult. And I have to keep going, just hold the line. Just hold the line. It's important. I'm just still thinking about my epic foreshadow. <laughs> um, I would like, I would hope our listeners can maybe like guess or predict what we're going to talk about next based on your foreshadow. Let's stop there. That was, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I actually have. <laughs> what was that? That was Gladiator. I know, but it went on for an uncomfortably long period of time. You can't, you can't do these things quickly. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, I do have a serious point. Go on. What is your serious point? I think if we do take behaviour questions, and I think we should. I think people have them, and I think we can, we can only ever give our opinion. Um. I think a lot of the time we're going to find ourselves saying the most important thing you have to do is always follow the policy. Yes. Right. So I don't think we can open this stuff by saying, no, don't follow the policy. But, but, but what I do think is that a good policy needs to have a little bit of wiggle room built in. Um, not necessarily a lot, but it, there does have to be some kind of um, wiggly wiggle wiggle bits at point for teachers yeah. to be able to adjust the student in front of them but you have to be super duper careful um, you do and I think that that wiggle room as well like quite often problems will come to me um, yeah. where staff are saying I, I actually think that we do need a little bit of wiggle room on this particular issue with this particular student in their particular context today yeah. And I think that's have, making those decisions together is perfectly fine and appropriate because there may well be a scenario um, where taking a child's phone away from them on a specific day could create a real issue. Um, and you've also got to be able to do the right thing. 
um, and make sure that you've got the right support networks around you in school to be able to do that rather than just going I need to follow the policy and then making something worse happen on the back of it agreed cool that was good wow so we agree do, 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 do behavior question every week then should we of the yeah. next couple of weeks sure yeah so yeah if you've got any if you've got anything burning that you would like us to discuss um, if you want to let me know, I'm more available on Twitter. If you'd like to let Adam know, you can find him on X. No, not X. Threads. I'm like, threads. X and Twitter are the same thing. Yeah. It's threads you're on. I, I can't cope with two different social networks. Uh, yes, yes, it's a problem. I, I, so I'm, I'm hoping that some of these, I, I, I think we'll probably rarely disagree on the behavior stuff, but I think we do come from quite a different perspective on it because you have chosen to effectively dedicate your life to behavior stuff. Um, and I have, and you love it. And it's like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah. And I, I, days, I, I, anyway. dis, I despise it. I <laughs> like with every fiber of my being, I hate behavior stuff. I hate dealing with it. I hate thinking about it. I hate talking about it. Um, I know that I have to, uh, and I know that it's like a part of the job. Um, and, and, and I know that there's some some things that I can say that can help people, but um, yeah, I just really hate it. Um, yeah, just oh, it's the worst. I think, and I think that's where your strength, it, where even though you hate it, that is a real strength because you can talk about it from the perspective of going, do you know what? This is something I hate dealing with that I find difficult to deal with that I don't like dealing with. But here is the specific things that I've done that have managed to help me in that situation. Whereas I'm often coming at it from a, like you're quite, it's quite on the ground classroom based where I'm sort of looking whole school based, but also mm. a lot of my job in school is around behavior support for, for students. So like working one-to-one -one with kids and, and getting down to the nitty gritty of how to help them over the long term. Um, so I think we're, we're coming at it from two different perspectives but i think they probably complement each other somewhere in the middle let's see shall we move on shall we because to the big foreshadow we we first we promised our listeners last week we would talk about michaela community school and then we foreshadowed our discussion <laughs> by referencing a speech given by the great Catherine Burblesing, who is the head teacher of Michaela Community School, quite recently at the, the National Conservative thing, which if you have not seen this speech, I highly recommend it. Um, get a glass of wine. <laughs> sit, sit back and enjoy yourself. Sit back and enjoy yourself, because it is quite the ride. And she says, hold the line quite a few times. Um, she talks about Gladiator. Um, quoting Russell Crowe or Glutus Maximus or whatever his name is. And um, yes, I'd, I'd definitely recommend it because it is, it, is, it is quite something. Um, but Michaela had been in the news um, and I thought maybe it would be good if I did a quick potted history. Go for it. Okay. I love a potted history. Okay. You cool. do. So Michaela Community School is a school in Wembley. Um, Wembley is near a very famous football place. Wait. Um, there's a big arch. And actually, Wembley is not so far from where I live. Uh, there's some shops there, too. We went, we once went down there, but I'm really more of a Primark guy, so didn't get much out of it. Um, 
where was I? Right, Wembley. Wembley is Michaela. So in 2014, so Catherine Bell will sing. Um, she opens a school called Michaela Community School. Uh, this school would have a different ethos and a completely different style to everything that had come before. And Catherine had sort of made a name for herself because she was, I mean, she was basically a Tory, right? So she, she gave, gave a big speech at a Tory conference in like 2010 or something. Caused yeah. a big ruckus, spoke about how all the schools in the UK were failing. Everything was awful. Everything was terrible. There are no standards. Uh, Michael Gove is the Messiah type stuff. Um, and it opened in 2014. Um, Catherine Bell was seeing was the head teacher. And the inaugural governor, uh, um, chair of governors, was a un relatively unknown political figure known as called she was called suella braverman you might have heard of her oh. um so yes yeah, suella i don't um, think i knew that yes well suella was the founding chair of governors of michaela community school wow hmm. i feel like think... it's, something's just clicked in my brain it does sort of make things fall into place just a little bit um but the, the thing is right before before we um start with more recent events Back then, Michaela is an incredibly important school. Um, it is of national importance. And at the time, it sent not ripples, but tidal waves throughout the community. Um, yeah. It launched a pedagogical revolution. Yeah, they, have, they had, sorry, they, they, their plan was to have extremely high behavior standards um, and a teaching and learning that was basically intensely traditionalist based on direct and explicit instruction no group work no project work uh, no discovery no inquiry um you know that kind of teaching style and um but also making huge strides in workloads so they were deliberately trying to lower workload as well so they were the first school to really go out all guns blazing we're not marking stuff um and they made massive contributions to national picture to national picture they, they took hundreds of visitors um loads of them wrote blogs people like joe kirby um olivia dyer danny quinn all of these people writing amazing blogs they published a couple of books they did conferences and and i want to be really really clear yeah i am tremendously grateful to the michaela community school i would 100 percent not be the teacher i am today without that school yeah i completely agree like there's been times where not much would move me out of um, out of Cumbria, but there were times back then when when everything was kind of um, getting up off the ground and that sort of thing where I, it did just toy with should I apply for that English teacher job because I just found what they were doing really really inspiring um, and I think the impact that they've had on the profession as a whole is remarkable. Um, and I think Catherine's role in that has been paramount um, and that our profession has benefited massively from the work that they've done. Yeah, agreed. Um, time, time goes on, time passes um, and they come under criticism from, you know, a lot of it is from like the usual suspects who just hate the school, hate everything it stands for. Um, yeah. And that's fine. We can. We, I, I'm more than happy to just literally discount them. Um, I don't care uh, what they have to say. Um, there were some other bits and pieces that were a bit more legitimate. Um, you know, they had quite a narrow curriculum offering, um, certainly in their first first cohort, um, because they had like really high standards of what they were expecting to see in their teachers and philosophies and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, their, their, their curriculum wasn't the broadest um, in the first set of exams. They've since widened it. Um, and their results are spectacular 
Um, they've topped yeah. the table every year. Yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, progress rate of like plus two point two and above. Um, they've topped the tables every single year since they've started having GCSE results. I think it's three years in a row now. I think. Yeah. Um, but like quite substantially, so it's it's like ridiculous. Actually, it's it's you know progress rate of plus two is insane. It's um, just, I I never when progress eight launched, I never for one minute imagined that any school in this country would be a two. Like yeah. that blew my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like for those who aren't so au fait with Progress 8, what that means is if, if a school gets Progress 8 plus two, what that means is if you have a student who's say done 10 GCSEs and they've scored a six in all of them, if that student went to a normal school, they'd have got a six in all of them. If they went to Michaela, they'd have got an eight in all of them. Mm. And, and like that, that in itself sounds mad from moving from six to eight like for me actually the mad the jump is is lower down right every kid yeah. at a normal school who would have got threes across the board instead would have got fives if they had have gone to Michaela yeah and that like when you think about it like that how many lives that's changed and how what it, it's also extended the realms of what we think is possible totally. in terms of student achievement and and progress and what one school can do um mind-blowing genuinely incredible yeah genuinely however however um over the last few years um me personally i've become a little on the disenchanted side not with the school itself um but with with catherine the head teacher um i think my 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 sort of disenchantment has come from two places the first is that i think she her public persona is 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 wild um some of the stuff she says online is like really really um problematic um some of it i don't i don't understand how she thinks it's okay to say stuff like that um you know she was like like she was she was chair of the social mobility commission which is a pretty important job yeah and um she ended up having to stand down because all in the fur some fury after the fact that she said that girls don't like physics or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, and, and actually I watched that interview and it wasn't just that she was going on about how, you know, the girls at my school, they don't really like physics. It's more of a boy thing. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? But also she just like seemed completely unprepared. She just like wasn't briefed. She didn't have good answers. She's very much like, I, you know, straight talking. I say what I like. I shoot from the hip. Um, and, and that's fine. That's her persona. But what that also means is that she says stuff that I like profoundly disagree with. Um, you know, there's stuff that that thing with with Tina Turner, she got herself into real trouble. Yeah. Um, when Tina Turner died, she put up a picture of Ike and Tina, which is like and was like, oh, rest in peace. So sad. Blah, blah. blah. And we're like, what? He abused her. Right. Like he raped her. It's really awful. And then she like doubled down and then ended up saying it was an honest mistake or whatever. And just like super weird she needs a comms manager for sure she needs someone to just like hold her in check imagine um, having that job oh god well look, look, being... look, people do these jobs for people who are oh, yeah. open and, and yeah. like they get on with it you know there were do you remember that stuff with jeremy clarkson so clarkson wrote this like absolutely awful oh, yes yeah, he wrote this. He wrote this horrific article about Meghan Markle. He basically said in it that um, he his dream. He dreamed of yes. her walking naked and everyone shouting shame in her face and ring the bell like they did in Game of Thrones. Yeah, the Game of Thrones reference. Like I, I, I was like, there was actual bits of vomit when I read that. I was like, 
that is sadistically disgusting to think yeah. of a woman in that way. Yeah, it was it was really really gross. And then and and he end, I think he ended up apologizing. I don't remember, but basically Catherine semi went into bat for him. So on the one yeah. hand she was like, "Oh, I don't agree with what he said," but then on the other hand she was like, "But he's got the right to say it and you know, he shouldn't lose his job over it and nobody should cancel him over it." And all of this like classic like right-wing nonsense where it's like this big wink and a nudge. And it's like, "No, no nobody ha <laughs> like you don't have the you might have the right to say it sure, but you don't have the right to have that screed published." And it was like, "Yes, that is the kind of thing that you should lose your job over. I have no problem yeah. with that." Can you imagine being a student at the school? Right. And and hearing your head teacher, the person who is responsible for your safeguarding, saying that it's, you know, no one should be cancelled or lose their job for writing sexist filth about people. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just couldn't. I, I've got no words. Like, I, there are some things that happen socially, culturally, where you just go, good Lord, is that the state of A, our society and B? some of the people who get to speak their views very widely and very freely um, who don't necessarily consider the impact of their words on the next generation like being a girl in that school i i would hope they were horrified yeah so so i think i think how do you how do you go to school in a place that says that yeah i, I think i think we should and and then of course there was the, the, the this conservative speech that she gave at the, at the national conservative thing, which was full of these fruitcakes and loons, um, saying all sorts of weird stuff, um, and it's like, and again, I can't recommend watching it enough. But like, I think that the most the most charit I think we have to be charitable. I think she is clearly a very impressive person. I think yeah. she has achieved amazing things. I think I am personally grateful to her. Um, yeah. I think the most charitable position here is that she desperately needs a comms manager. She she just speaks and she doesn't think through the stuff that she's saying. Yeah. Um, and then, or and then, she doesn't have the the background knowledge of some issues. Correct. Like yeah. The, yeah. And, you know, COVID was a good example as well. There was something she was saying in COVID about like vaccinate. There was, it was in, in January 21 when it was, COVID was at, we were about third lockdown. It was at a huge spike. And she basically said she got behind, um, oh, who was it? I think Dan Hanan, who's like one of these like right wing shock jock type um, columnists who was like, yeah, just vaccinate the teachers and open the schools again. And it's like, we, at the time, right, that was a really not good idea. You know, yeah. COVID was everywhere. And it might be that vaccinating the teachers would have protected the teachers, but you have in a normal school, you have one, you have individual teachers and hundreds of students and we didn't really understand community transmission at the time like a lot of our students lived in multi-generational households and it's like great i'm safe happy days but like my kids are busy passing it around and potentially yeah. killing their grandparents and she was like yes that's the right thing to do and i'm like no scientist thinks that this is a good idea and and again it's just one of those where like like i don't know if you've really thought this through um and and again i'm trying trying really hard to be charitable because there are plenty of people that she mixes with who i'm not charitable out charitable about who i think yeah, are yeah. awful like suella braverman um but but like i'm trying really hard to be charitable to her and say that yeah. i think i think she just makes mistakes and shoots her mouth off and could really do with the comms manager yeah i there's de there's definitely a part of that because i do think that the contribution and the work and the leadership that she's given in our profession I think that that should encourage us to have charitable interpretations where we can. 
Agreed. I do think that we, you cannot, I just can't believe that you can do that much good in an inner city school and re, and completely challenge the status quo and drive so much improvement across the sector and be like the terrible human being that you sometimes come across as. Like, yeah. I would really hope that isn't the case. And there's a big part of me that thinks, I wish she'd just think before she spoke. Yeah. And also, I do that sometimes. And I look at myself and I go, think before you speak, Amy. Yeah. So, and I think, well, if I do it, I mean, I've never said anything like she has in those examples that we've given. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but also, we're not, we're not that important. No, nobody cares what we say. Yeah, no, literally nobody cares. No, um, why would they? Yeah, and and we don't have, and even if people did care, we don't really have positions of, of like authority. No, um, no one important cares. No, Sorry. again, I've just got rid of the <laughs> loads of my. No, as a weekend, what do you think? Yeah, I've just told you you're not important. <laughs> yeah. no. You know what I mean? Like, like no, like government government minister is listening to us and is like no. going to change policy based on what we've got to say. We're not going to end up in you know the mainstream media in like an article in the daily mail or the telegraph or whatever um so so anyway that's part of my disenchantment another part of my disenchantment is this is before we even get onto the recent events is that i think that spirit of the stuff that they were doing at first has just completely disappeared um when was the last time you read a blog from a michaela teacher yeah yeah like they don't do the conferences anymore you know i went to a science conference there you know i remember it i you know, it was five or six years ago and, and it was really interesting and it really helped like drive my practice like they don't do stuff like that anymore they don't blog they don't share any of their resources you're allowed to go and visit but you can't like borrow resources you can't you're allowed to look at them but you can't like take a picture nothing 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 um and and it's like, yeah, you, you are amazing. Uh, I really think you are. But like that spirit and a lot of those people have left from the start as well. But like yeah, that spirit it's a different of, school now to what it was in 2014, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and interestingly, one of the things that's been coming out recently is as part of the whole court case that we'll get to in a second. Someone met, um, someone mentioned um, they do like Sunday revision classes and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's that's completely the opposite of what you told us you were going to be like. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so I, I kind of, you know, they did this documentary about what they were like. Um, I don't know if you ever watched it. It was about 18 months ago. And yeah. it was just like, they did this fly on the wall documentary, which was organized by Catherine. So it was more of a puff piece than a documentary per se. Um, but again, it just felt like they were, I don't know. It didn't feel like they were trying to help others more than just anything. I don't know. It, it just, and I think some of the battles have been won as well. It feels like they were still fighting the same battles we were fighting back then, you know, talking about the principle of having high standards, um, which might have been revolutionary, you know, 12 years ago, but it's not anymore. Uh, and there are plenty of schools up and down the country that have now really high standards of behavior yeah. and things like that. Um, and there are plenty of schools like, I don't see project-based learning anymore. I don't see discovery-based learning anymore. I don't see inquiry learning. I see 500 lessons a year. I can't remember the last time I saw someone doing like some of the hippy dippy stuff that i used to do when i was training and stuff like yeah. that um it just doesn't really happen anymore like a lot of those battles have been won and and maybe now is the time to like dial down the rhetoric and and get back to the idea of helping people yeah yeah i agree cool which brings us on nicely to recent weeks so um i've worked really hard there's been a big news story and i have um worked my way through various articles including one feature length um podcast interview with uh catherine burble singh and tom rogers over at teachers talk radio um and i have 
I think the whole story is a bit confusing, but I think I've pieced together a timeline. Go on then. You love a timeline. Oh, I do. I do. Um, right. So Michaela Community School is in Wembley. It is in a converted office block. Everything at Michaela is highly, highly regimented and dictated by central authority. So, for example, um, students walk in silence between classrooms um, on one side of the corridor. Now, partly that's because otherwise the corridors would be chaos, according to Ms. Burblesing, but also it's because it's a really small building and the corridors are narrow. I visited. It is a small building. It's pokey. A lot of London schools are like that. Um, another example, students in the playground. Um, so they have family lunch. Um, so at the beginning of lunch, everyone sits on one table, one person gets the food, one person pours the water, one person serves the food, and then they have dictated conversations. So there'll be a person at the front who'll be running family lunch that day. And he'll say, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the day that I was there, he was like, I was thinking about rent price and stuff like that. And I was thinking about how like, lucky I am and something along those lines. I can't remember. I want you now to talk in your tables about something that you feel really lucky for, whatever. They do these appreciations, which is where somebody stands up and says thank you for something. And they do these cool hand clappy type stuff. Um, when the students then go out to the playground, they're not allowed to be in groups of larger than four. Um, so, so things are like dictated, yeah, minute by minute, second by second, um, action by action. Um, and they don't have a prayer room. And the reason for that is because Catherine thinks that if they have a prayer room, chaos will descend. She doesn't understand how students would be able to go to the prayer room. She doesn't like the idea of them being able to optionally walk there um, by themselves unaccompanied during break. Um, she thinks she said in the interview that you cannot have Michaela and a prayer room. They are mutually exclusive for behavior reasons. Now, she also added to that stuff to do with sacrifice and religious sacrifice and the idea that people have to sacrifice for the greater good and for social harmony and for multiculturalism. So in the same way that Jehovah's Witnesses can't decide we're not going to do Macbeth um, and Hindus can't decide, you know, they have a pes pescatarian lunch and Hindus can't decide, well, I don't want to eat off this plate because there's been an egg on it or whatever, because you have to make sacrifices for the greater good. But she always allowed people to pray in the yard, so in the playgrounds. So after family lunch, when the students were allowed outside in their small groups, they were allowed to play in the playground. Nobody ever did. Never happened. Okay. Now, one year recently, I think it was last year, I'm not sure, at Ramadan, um, something happened. There was some kind of growth in religious sensibility um, and it went a bit crazy um, and there was extreme intimidation between the students. So students were basically Muslim students were basically intimidating each other into praying. Um, she said at one point there was someone like standing outside the canteen during Ramadan, like telling Muslim kids not to eat or give them dirty looks or whatever. Um, and they wanted to pray. And a lot of them started praying in the yard. Um, numbers increased. Um, and this is a bit that I wasn't 100% sure about, but what she seemed to indicate is that there were then lots of children in the playground using their jackets on the floor um, to pray and then passers by like it's 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 on it's literally on the high street right it's basically in a pedestrianized shopping center the school and passers by um saw this and then it went a bit crazy uh, it spread online there were petitions there were literally death threats there was violence there was aggression um there was um a brick was thrown through a teacher's window their home window at their at their house which is obviously like absolutely horrific mm -hmm. um and at that point Catherine banned um, prayer in the yard. So she said, until now you've been able to pray in the yard, no longer. And then everything stopped. It all just went away. Everything just improved. Um, and that was it. 
until a student who has not been named brought a case to the high court to allow prayer on site uh, and, and and effectively to open a prayer room so that the students can pray arguing i think this is what it seems to me that it's discriminatory to not have a prayer room on site and that is my timeline that was an excellent timeline thanks man uh, yeah i'm impressed with how you managed to pull that together because i watched um one of the interviews that Catherine did on and heard um to try and sort of get my head around it um and even even like I, I, I still found it quite difficult to work out exactly what had led up to where they are today. Um, there are so many conflations; it's so difficult to follow. It is, isn't it? And it the bit that I found. She made a comment. Um, yeah, I think it was in the unheard um, interview where she said, "Like there was an incident." Yeah. Um, and to me as a director of behavior i make certain assumptions about that but what might be an incident to her in that situation i don't know it just felt a bit like i would love to know what that actually was yeah 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 the way that she talked about it, it sounded like it was one of the most catastrophic things that could have happened yeah but then there is a there's a scale of behaviour, isn't there? Um, and I'm guilty of always being like, well, I bet that doesn't happen in Michaela, and I bet this is perfect in Michaela because I've convinced myself it's this kind of utopian behaviour incident free nirvana. Um, well, it's really not. No, and do you know what? I a big part of me went, well, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel better about yourself. It does because we schools up and down the country will have behaviour incidents to deal with. And I'm always like, I, I take, I, when you, that's your bread and butter, it's what you do. You take it personally. So if there is something that's happened, I'm always like, well, I bet that doesn't happen at Michaela. And why am I, why am I, why is this happening in my job? And why is that, I bet it's perfect there. And what, I'm, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And, and then she said that and I was like, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I would preface that by saying I hope it was nothing really catastrophic. It just made me feel a little bit less um insecure about my own abilities in my job. Yeah. And 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 I guess I I'm like my head's a bit all over the place on this one because I think my my instinct is always to just defend the school. Go out to bat for the school. You yeah. Know? And it's always and, been my default position because of what they've done. And and but no, any school, any school. Okay. And yeah. like like and you know, I'll give you an example. Yeah, every once a month, there's a story in the press about a kid being sent home for a haircut or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. back to school, hundred percent, absolute exactly. nonsense in the newspaper. But this is the thing, right? Because what you could say to the school is 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 who cares? Just let them have the haircut, right? What difference mm -hmm. does it make? And the school is saying no, we have reasons. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to run with the school here, no problem. Now here I'm saying, well, just have a prayer room. And the school is saying, no, we can't. It doesn't physically work. And that, that's the bit I can't, like, I've obviously I've not visited, so I don't fully understand, like, I'm, I'm just assuming that it's a very small space. Um, but alongside that, I'm like, well, if this is, I think it's the most regimented school in the country, possibly in the world. Um, and it, the way that it is hyper controlled and supervised and authoritarian 
I can't see why that principle cannot transfer to okay let's 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 give our kids a prayer room like if it's if it's that important to your student body you find a way to make it work yes i okay so so yeah i think my my default position is to defend school the school any school but yeah. this one like i said i struggle with first i don't understand practically how it's not possible yeah. to put in a prayer room it doesn't make any sense to me um even if you just have it as a classroom um you put a sign up form online you escort the children like you can still do it within yeah, you can your do that. yeah, yeah. I, I just think that Catherine Burblesing is smart enough and has a good enough operational brain and team around her that if they wanted to do it, they could do it. So yeah. that's point one. I'm going to come back to point one in a second. The other points are like, I, I just think it's, it's religious repression. It's just not okay. This is the 21st century. Multiculturalism does not mean sacrificing things that are completely harmless yeah. um, for the sake of the greater good. That is completely anathema to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, she says she says a lot that she's a big believer in choice, right? So this is a very conservative thing to believe in school choice. And actually, it's an import from the states. We'll do that another time. But it's a, she's a big believer in school choice. She says, well, look, if our school isn't for you, just choose somewhere else. And I'm like, well, that's not really how state infrastructure should actually work. Um, schools belong to their communities. They belong to the state. They're not just for themselves to just make up whatever the hell they want. So there's always going to be a limit to that. But more importantly, the child hasn't chosen right yeah. the child has not chosen their parents have chosen and even if the child agreed with their parent when they were 10 and in year six and applying the child can change their mind and if a yes. child decides when they're 14 or 15 actually you know what i my my connection with with allah is such that i want to pray you can't turn around to them and say oh well you know what you signed up for when you were in year six it's it's <laughs> like it's not okay no um, and and just as a, like a, a, a fundamental philosophical point, I don't think the way we build social harmony, which is something she talks about, and she wrote this letter about it. She says this is social. This is by sacrificing we we build social harmony. I'm like repressing people's religious like identities and freedom is not how you build social harmony. No, I we have a, we have a prayer room at our school, right? And and you know I'm not I'm not as good a Jew as I always used to be, but. You know, I, I pray in there every so often. And like I've prayed in our prayer room next to Muslim students, next to Muslim colleagues. And like I don't understand. And, and by the way, no chaos descended. <laughs> that was within lunch. Was it was in there right in the time. prayer room, Adam. Unbelievable. And and I'm like I'm like like I do you not think that people praying together is more likely to lead to social cohesion? Yeah, it's like it's a it seems like a really lovely, wholesome happy way of creating a non-divided school body just put in a bloody prayer room <laughs> yeah i don't i don't get it okay so so this here okay now this this i'm gonna get a bit philosophical and a bit nerdy yeah okay Go so on. i said that i feel uncomfortable not going to bat for a school right yeah and that stems from two things okay the first thing Sorry, in this case, I'm making an exception. Okay. Normally, when we don't go to, when we go into bat for a school and we just say, leave them alone, leave them alone, leave them alone, it's often because we don't know the other side of the story, right? Some child goes to the press and says, I was excluded for having my shoes undone or whatever. Yeah. The school made no comment. 
is what the press says because the yeah. school makes no comment because legally you're not allowed to say why you've sent a child home yeah you can't like like go to the daily mail oh yeah you know what the real reason we sent her home is because um she undid her shoes took her shoe off started hitting one of her friends and then when we told her to stop she told the head teacher to fuck off right they don't do that yeah we don't get that side of the story do we exactly whereas in this case we do Catherine yeah. has made her life public she has made absolutely everything public always 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 in everything that she does right she has never said you know she constantly talks about school she constantly talks about what she does and and by writing these public letters by doing these interviews by having articles in the press i think it's fair game and the simple fact is and this is what what makes me most upset is that this is now just fed into um this wider online culture wars and all of the standard right-wing um ultra libertarian psychos have got in behind this you know listen to some of this stuff okay so neil o'brien who's an mp right he's slamming the child who's brought this court case saying she got legal aids to pursue this hundred thousand pound court plus court case against one of the best schools in the country the case for echr exit slash human rights law reform gets stronger every day what is wrong with these people right because what you're doing is you're taking this one event and you're making it part of your massive cultural wars i've always hated legal aids i've always hated poor people having access to barristers i've always hated the european convention on human rights and i've always hated human rights law so obviously this just feeds right into that. It's yeah. It, and it, when I read that, I was like, okay, but like, this is a kid who just wants to pray in a prayer room. Like it's got absolutely nothing to do with your weird political fantasies about the European, whatever it is. Like, I just, I can't see how, how being able to, how connecting all of those things can be a healthy thing for our society it just isn't but it, honestly from the moment it came out you could see exactly the direction it was going in you would have this this cohort of social campaigners and this cohort and you would get predictable racist right-wing awful people hopping on the side of the school you would get some equally awful people on the other side of it going against it and and all that I can see that it's actually created is a hell of a lot of racism just being casually banded about like it's perfectly acceptable conduct because that seems to be somehow the narrative that's come out of this is that Muslims are the problem. And I'm like, no, no, it, it, the prayer room, that's what we've made. A child wants to pray. That's okay. Yeah, I, I, I can feel like my blood boiling here. Because yeah. so many of like the replies and the comments are from people who are just literally Islamophobic, right? Yes. Who are just straight up racist. And, and attacking this, you know, listen to this guy, Nick Timothy. Yeah, my column today on the Michaela scandal, Islamists are turning our schools and other public institutions into a battleground. I mean, what is, like, what, are you mad? She said, no prayer room. And the child has said, I'd like a prayer room. I mean, yeah, like... It, That's okay. Like it is perfectly legitimate in schools for students to have some kind of voice about what they want their school experience to be like, because ultimately they're the ones that we're providing a school experience for. And any child should be able to say something like that in a school, but also not be completely vilified in the press by the head teacher as well. Like I'm looking at this going, that this must be pretty hellish for that kid right now. 
Like the entire country appears to be attacking her religion based on her just having a fundamental basic right. And I just, I think the bit, the bit that really I found probably the most like cognitively challenging was watching Catherine's interview. And there was times where I was like, yeah, okay. And there's some things that I was like, yeah, I, I will agree on that. And I think I said to you at the time, you would then just get this other comment that was just like an Islamophobic bomb. Um, and I think one of them came from one of the, um, like the questions that was posed to her. And it was almost like sandwiched in and it was almost like a blink and you'll miss it moment. But I was like, yeah. the minute I saw that, I was like, wow, that's just going to trigger really, really Islamophobic, racist, Has vile been. hatred to a child. Yeah, it's very dog whistly. It's oh. very, it's it's almost like it smacks of like, like <laughs> um, eschatology, which is like, where like everything is about like the end of days, like <laughs> these grand yes. wars between good and evil. And and actually, I tell you the truth, yeah, that leads me on to my second like strong disquiet here. So my first strong disquiet is that, oh, sorry, my 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 comfort in talking about this publicly in a way that doesn't just automatically defend the school is because she's made it public and she's put yes. everything out into the public domain. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that her entire philosophy is radically dualistic she says time and time again it is impossible to have Michaela and a prayer room her entire persona is built around the fact that it's either Michaela or chaos yeah it's either students walking quietly in single file under constant supervision by teachers or it's chaos it's yeah. either this or it's bullying. It's either this or it's sexual assault. It's either this or it's children swearing at teachers. And I fundamentally don't believe that, right? I think that it could be that you can only, to get Michaela results 2.2, whatever it is, maybe, maybe you need that. But you can build a perfectly functional, perfectly well-attaining, perfectly safe, perfectly good school that does well for its students and for its community, but also has a little bit of slack. And, and I know that that's possible because I work for one. We yeah, have a prayer room. Same. We, both, we both work in schools like that. And yeah, we don't get the same results. We don't. And, and no, our behavior is not as good as it is at Michaela, right? And, 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 and no one at our school would ever say, we think we've nailed behavior. We don't think we can improve. Yeah. We always think we can improve and we can. But we don't want to do that at the expense of taking away our prayer room. Yeah. Like some of those things, some things are just really important and you want to make them work for your kids and your community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of that radical dualism of it's either this or it's going to be a complete nightmare. And, and I was thinking hard about this because there's a political aspect here. I don't think it's populist. I think it's just hard authoritarian. It's either you exactly have the rules exactly like this with no wiggle room, with no bend, with, with every single detail thought through, or it's chaos and insanity. And I just don't believe that. No, because there are loads of schools up and down the country where there's very good evidence for that just not being the case. Yeah. My school, your school, there's two that we know, but there'll be 100, 200, 300, 400 others that are exactly the same. Yeah, I've, I'm actually, I'm feeling quite angry. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Yeah. You've got a little bit pink in the cheek. No, no, that's the, that's the alcohol from dinner. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do is, is I want to read you one last quote, okay? Right. This is from Camilla Long, published in The Times. Okay, so the oh, biggest, right. it's on. not the biggest newspaper in the land, but it's pretty big. 
I haven't had the conversation with her, but I know that it's coming. Mummy, she will say. Why are those girls wearing headscarves? Many of them, more or less my daughter's age, six, go to two nearby primary schools. We pass them every day. Hundreds of sweet little girls, well under 11, in white matching hijabs. It makes me so angry I cannot look at them. How do you explain the headscarf to your own daughter? There are two options. You can say that it's something to do with their faith, but she won't buy this because even she knows they're too young to decide anything. I mean, like... That's, that's what this whole situation has created and you knew it was coming. It's just, it, like, it's just straight up racism, right? Yeah. Oh, I, did, and did, the did, fact did, that it's just in black and white in a newspaper, like, that's suddenly socially acceptable in this country. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not. That is not what the vast majority of people think. Yeah. I hope. I just, I, I just, to say that, it makes me so angry I cannot look at them. What is wrong with you? Yeah, like, but also, I'm like, there are millions of things wrong with this country. Kids wearing a hijab is not one of them. There are plenty of other things that I can point out. The chronic underfunding of CAMS, children's services, mental health services. Get angry about those because they're actually might affect your life. A child wearing a hijab is not going to affect your life one bit. Find something that you actually should care about because people's right to have their own religion isn't irrelevant like let them do it that's their choice this I is britain we're multicultural yeah that's the whole point of living in this country the ability to yeah. make your own choice and 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 that by the way is also the conservative education dream to be able to become master of your own destiny right yeah when you turn to these children and say no you have to give up your religion because of social harmony you're not you're not fulfilling that mission no and also that's not social harmony <laughs> it's just mental i tell you what we'll do because it's been over an hour so that oh. article by Camilla Long was posted by a tweeter who I don't know called Monisha Rajesh. And I'm just going to read what Monisha said. And, and this is what we'll finish with. As if the Times wasn't done with its Islamophobia, Camilla Long is now angry about the sight of little girls in hijab and doesn't know how she can explain it to her precious tiny girl. How about minding your own fucking business? Legend. I think that's a good place to stop. That's a great place to stop. That is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter or threads. You can email me at adam at carousel-learning.com. If you're not yet subscribed to Carousel Learning, do consider booking in a demo via the website to see for yourself how it could transform your teaching practices. If you'd like to support the podcast, the very best thing you can do for us is hit subscribe and let your friends know about us. Have a great, and by the way, tomorrow is Friday. If you feel like we're, we're recording on Thursday, tomorrow will be Friday. This will go out on Friday. If you feel like praying on a Friday, pray away. Go to your prayer room and enjoy your prayers. Yeah. 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 Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.